Uh, let me ask you as I begin today, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you just wanted to say to God, really? You've got to be kidding me. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm in a situation like that today. Okay? Earlier in the week, I had a very small, little, tiny cold sore developing on my lip. And I said, God, at this rate, I know how this goes. On Sunday, it is going to look the worst of all. And I just go, really? Couldn't we have done this a little bit of a different way? I know there's people at home, they're, going, they're trying to rub their computer screens going, he's got something on his lip, doesn't he? Yeah, I got this big honking cold sore on my lip. And then I think of these people in Acts, the fifth chapter, the, the, the apostles. <laughs> I don't know why I think this way sometimes, but I do. And they've been arrested twice. They've been broke out of jail by God. And, uh, and they're brought back in, and they're having this discussion and uh, this trial, if you will. And uh, this Pharisee speaks up. We're going to read about it in the passage today. This Pharisee speaks up, and he has this plan. He tells the other Pharisees, hey, listen, you got to let them. And we'll, we'll see that. But anyway, they get to the point where they go, we're going to let him go. Now, if you're an apostle, what are you thinking? Yeah. God's got this, right? And then before they let him go, what do they do? Well, they bring in these big guys with whips. Let's just give them a few whippings first. I mean, if I would have been there, I'd have gone, really? What's this all about? I mean, why do they just have to whip us before we go? I'm glad the apostles didn't see it that way. And we're going to read about what they say here in just a second. But uh, I do want to pick up the story in Acts, the fifth chapter. Um, this is right after Peter has given a defense of the gospel. They've, they've brought him in and they've accused him of these things about preaching about Jesus. And they needed to stop. And they didn't stop. So now we've got to try you on this. And uh, Peter, again, of course, has the opportunity to talk about Jesus. And in verses 31, 32, in through there... He talks about the Lord Jesus as the prince and the savior of the world and the redeemer of Israel for the forgiveness of sins and uh, just gives a glorious explanation of the gospel. And we pick it up in verse 33. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. Cut to the quick there means, it's just another way of saying absolutely at the core, angry. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council, and he gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. All the important people need to talk, okay? And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up and claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. We've seen that. But if it is of God, you may 
not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting with God, against God. Well, <laughs> they took his advice. And after calling the apostles in, of course, they flogged them, whipped them, beat them, and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, and get this, rejoicing what they had been that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. In verse 42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, what did they keep right on doing? Teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Just what they had been arrested for now three times. You know, we can learn... Uh, well, let me ask you, did you know that you can learn something from old Pharisees sometime? Yeah. Here, Gamaliel is going to teach us a few things as followers of Christ. Uh, the first thing is this, false teachers are always about themselves. He makes a point of that when he talks about Thutis and uh, Judas. He says, uh, Thutis claimed to be somebody, and uh, Judas drew people after him. No doubt uh, these are two examples of religious leaders uh, who were uh, men uh, persuasive of speech, most likely. They, they, uh, for some reason, people wanted to listen to what they had to say. For some reason, people wanted to follow them. Pretty charismatic in their personalities, no doubt. And uh, they offered people something, perhaps, that they made people feel like, you're not going to get this anywhere else. Um, do we see that in cult leaders sometimes? <laughs> uh, they make people feel important, uh, people valued, just to get them involved. And, uh, but the cult is always centered around a personality of the leader, of his power, his privilege even. But my question is, um, yeah, cults are one thing. Does this ever happen in the Christian church where ministries get built around personalities? <laughs> privilege, influence. Are there church leaders who make the ministry all about themselves and their own successes and their own ability to gain a fellowship? You know, one thing that I've learned throughout this pandemic, and uh, well, perhaps not learned it, but just <laughs> re-emphasized it, that we ought not believe everything we hear. Do you agree with that? You're out there, right? Yeah. We just ought not agree with every, or, or believe everything that we hear. And I know, I, I know, I know, I know, everyone has their opinions. You got an opinion about the virus? Yeah. Everybody has their opinions, and we have people in our church who see what's going on exactly opposite ways from other people in the church. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good news? Yeah. I am not here this morning to convince you how you ought to believe about the virus. Aren't you glad? But I am here to tell you, you ought not believe everything you hear. Some are telling us it's no big deal, and some are telling us it's the biggest deal of our life. Well, let me just put it out there. Do you think some of the politicians, scientists, and even local officials could be more concerned about their own political power than your well-being? Here's another point. False teachers fail because God stands against them. 
you know, I remember back in the 80s. I know that will surprise some of you that I can remember. But uh, I remember back in the 80s when I was an extremely young person. Why are we laughing? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah all right. And I, I don't know why I did this, but uh, I would, every once in a while, turn on the television and I would watch the tele-evangelists of the 80s. And um, I, I don't know, I, I found it somewhat entertaining in some sort of way, I guess. Uh, and I remember one day watching a guy, and he was very close into the camera, and he's making his plea to his TV audience, and he's holding this piece of cloth in his hands. And he says that he had prayed over this cloth, and he had anointed this cloth, and he had empowered this cloth, and if you had any need in your life, you needed to get this cloth in order for God to meet your need. And by the way, he had several hundred of them, and ready to go to bring you the healing, the money, the restored relationship, the lifting of depression, whatever it was was your need, all you needed to do was send $49.99 plus shipping and handling, and all your needs would be met. Now, what is surprising to me is how many people did what? Wrote out their checks. I remember thinking, this guy needs to be stopped. Can't people see what he's doing? A few years later, he was found to be a fraud. Duh. Lost his ministry, of course. I think he even served some time, actually. His, his wife divorced him. He found somebody else that would marry him. She was with him just about a year, and she divorced him. Now, that's an extreme example, I understand, but it, but it happens in more subtle ways, doesn't it? I, I see sometimes huge churches in, in our day and age. Not to, I'm not going to mention any names. Huge churches, and, and you listen to what some of them are saying, and you have to wonder, how long, are they gonna, how long is God going to put up with this? They promise people things the Bible never says. And you can t it's easy to see. It's all built on personality. It's all built on marketing. And they bring in millions from book sales and TV sponsorships and religious paraphernalia. And, uh... Okay, again, that's an extreme example, right? You still haven't connected with this, have you? Okay, could the lure of fame and fortune tempt anybody? You and me? How many people, I mean, how many people have made bad decisions in their life just because they're driven by some increased influence or fame or some increased <laughs> prosperity, fortune? How, how do you know if your choice is the one that God would have you make? Maybe the Pharisee again can help us. Gamaliel says that, in verse 38, 39, if the work is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you will be fighting against God. So I think you can make the conclusion, you can have God fighting for you or against you. Let me ask, have you ever had God moving in ways to stop you from doing what you're doing? I have. 
That's where he's opposing the, tra- the, the path that I've chosen. I thought, well, this will make me more money or this will... Blah, blah, blah. I really want to do this. And, and he's going, that's not the path. Not the path I have for you. The world with all its temporary pleasures can be so tempting. Sure, sacrifice your family to make more money. Sir, and rationalize it's for their good. It's for their good. Sure, go ahead, tell that lie. Rationalize that you really need to do that. Go ahead, sure, be something different inside than what you show people on the outside. And Oh, and yeah, you can just avoid the little sin problem that you've had all these years and you've accomplished. You've gotten used to it and it's okay and... See, God loves us too much. He he, he loves us too much that when he sees us making those kinds of choices that that lead us in a path that is is vested in the world system and not in his life, he he gently wants to, like the shepherd with the staff and, and the rod, and he wants to kind of pull us and no, that path is not turning out so well. I I see the future. No, you walk in me, walk in my spirit. I can't tell you how many times I, I see people make choices. And, and they think, it, and, and it's obviously selfish from, the, from an outsider's view. It's obviously selfish. You, you see the, the path. And, you, and they have convinced themselves that this, this sinful way or this choice that I'm making, or it's all going to work out good. If I, if I could just get rid of him and have him, she says, my life will be so good. He doesn't treat me good. He really loves me. So I'll divorce him and make all my problems go away. My life, I only have one life. It's all about me, Right? Bad path. <laughs> You've been given the life of Christ as a believer, and uh, it's nothing like the old life. The old life filled with discouragement and depression. And <sighs> this, this new resurrected life of Christ is, is about this everyday enjoyment of the life of God and the, the path that God has us on. And uh, we, we remember the old selfish gain way and uh, making decisions based upon our own selfish stuff. And uh, I mean, aren't you glad you left all that? Amen. Amen. Right. Aren't you glad you left all of that? You see, Jesus one day is having a conversation with his disciples. They ask him about fasting, but that's not what his answer is all about. His answer really is about the entire resurrected life that he was going to give them. And he says, I want you to know, you, you, you can't mix these things. There's just they're two different things. You, you've walked out of that and into this. And he, he gives a couple of illustrations. Look what he says in Matthew 9, 16. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. 
for the patch pulls away from the garment and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wineskins new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh and new wineskins and both are preserved. If you patch up a hole in a garment that has been washed and already shrunk and the the piece that you're using hasn't been shrunk and you put it on there, what's going to happen the first time you wash it? The patch is going to shrink and it's going to tear the, the hole larger. And the same is true, they, sell, they tell me, of wineskins. I'm not real familiar with wineskins, by the way. I'm just putting that out there, okay? I just don't know a whole lot about wineskins. But they say that if you pour new wine into old wineskins, it's going to burst and you're going to lose everything. And what he's saying is that this new life that I've given you doesn't fit into the old patterns. You can't live for yourself and live unto the life of the resurrected Jesus in you at the same time. And yet, have you ever tried to? Have you ever tried to live as a Christian in the old system of the world of selfish gain? Sometimes I hear people say, I'm a believer in Christ. Shouldn't he make my life work out? How come I'm going through this struggle? I'm a a believer. Did you know this, that uh, as new creations of Christ, walking in the resurrected life of Christ, we see problems in a whole different way. Amen. Aren't you glad we can see problems in a different way? (laughs) In the scripture, it says that they're momentary light afflictions. All of your problems are momentary light afflictions. Aren't you glad for that? Amen, yeah, momentary, light, all problems. Look, 2 Corinthians 4.17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. More glory, more glory, more light afflictions brings more glory. My encouragement to you, to myself, I just don't think we ought to fight against, fight against God. Amen? I think if God is moving in a certain way, I, I would encourage you, go with it. Go with it. And, and if it gets to the point where, you know, there's a choice and you really, really want, and he's, you know it's not what he wants, but I really, really want, here's my encouragement, don't try to talk him into it. I've done that. Lord, you, you obviously don't have all the information, I'm going to help you. It's more money, it's more influence, I'll be able to tell more people about Jesus. Let God walk with you and lead you, and uh, he uses it all. I mean, when you think about the apostles, was God using their problem of being arrested for his glory? Was he using their being thrown in jail for his glory? 
these light afflictions of jail and flogging and all that, those little things, right? He was using for His glory. And when you let God walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death, you're not going to fear because why? Because He's with you. He doesn't say because He's going to help you avoid it. He's going to walk with you. Let Him lead you through this tunnel, this tunnel of relational conflict or this tunnel of depression or this tunnel of whatever. Just let Him lead you and you emerge triumphant. 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. I love that verse. I love that verse, the faith that it builds. And not only that, He says that you and I, yeah, you, you're the smell of God to the world. You're the fragrance, the sweet aroma of the very life of Christ. I tell you what, I want God fighting for me. (laughs) I think back over the six months, the, the last six months, and I stand amazed at what God has done in this church. Back in November of last year, we, uh, we made the choice to cancel our church app. How many of you knew that? That's right, because you never used it. It was costing us $100 a month for the two of you that would log on every once in a while. But I'm not sore about it. Okay? And we decided, we got $100 a month. What are we going to do last November, we said. And we said, well, it's technology budget, so let's, let's do this. A lot of churches are streaming their services. Let's do that. And so last November, we contacted this, uh, the company, and we said, we want to stream our services. They bundled it with our website. Guess what? We ended up saving a little bit of money every month over what we were spending. It took us a few months to get all the kinks worked out. And in February, just a few months ago, we were up and running with our new streaming service, wondering if we would ever have anybody log in. He's good. Less than a month later, you know what happened. The average person would come and say, you guys were sure lucky to get your streaming up and running just in time for the pandemic. I say, he's always working. He's always fighting for us. And like we sang, he cannot be stopped. And maybe you need to hear that today. God's fighting for you. I don't know what you're going through. Some of you, I know what you're going through. <laughs> and I want you to know, he's fighting for you. But here's another thing we need to think about. Last point. 
Going with God can get you flogged. <laughs> I thought I'd end on a high note, okay? <laughs> Is that all right? Going with God can get you flogged. You know, maybe you've seen some of the media and how they've depicted churches through the pandemic, right? There, there have been pastors who have stood defiantly against the state. There have been governors threatening churches. It's been quite something to watch and very educational. <laughs> this past week, the president got involved. Woo! Here we go, right? Everything just escalates. And now, maybe to your disappointment, I'm not going to even give an opinion about all of that. That's not my point. My point is that no matter what decisions are made, no matter what path you take, no matter what decision we make, it should be within the full assurance that we know that we are walking in the spirit of Christ who is guiding and leading our steps. And when you do that, <laughs> there is confidence, there is joy and you just let the chips fall where they will. It's the only way that joy remains in the midst of chaos. It's the only way in which there is rest of the soul, peace in the middle of the surrounding storm. Now you have to understand... Living for Christ in the middle of cultural chaos can get you flogged. Right? But what should you do if you're flogged for the name of Jesus Christ? Rejoice. Rejoice. The, the verb of joy. Same word. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He said that back in the Beatitudes for they persecuted the prophets who came before you so you're counted with them and you're counted with the very person of Jesus Christ who suffered at the hands of evil men. It's what they did. They rejoiced. They were willing. They were able. We were worthy. We got to suffer. We got to suffer shame for Jesus. The Greek word for suffer shame is antimatso. It means to be rendered infamous or the opposite of famous, dishonored, despised, disrespected, made the lowest of the low. Wouldn't that be great? Really? I mean, there's something about me that doesn't like to be disrespected. I'm sure I'm the only one in the room, right? Okay? There's something in me that just wants to... No! Right? This, this rejoicing... This expression of joy. It is this, um, this enjoyment of life that is not dependent on what's going on out here. It's the abiding presence of Christ. 
this resurrected life that lives in me. It can't be taken away by a little earthly flogging, right? The apostles, verse 42 says, they kept right on teaching, preaching Jesus. Beat us, jail us, kill us. But we're going to keep standing with him. We're going to keep telling everyone who will listen how great he is. What are you facing today? Maybe you have confusing situations and I want to go with God. I'm here to tell you, he'll, he'll, he'll let you know, he'll walk with you and he will take you on his time schedule. Amen. Just trust him. What are you living for today? You see this early church as it's persecuted and ostracized and made fun of. And Would you sign up for that? Are you fearful of losing what you have? Are you fearful of getting sick? Are you fearful of the future? Now here's some good news. Guess what? We may never as a country ever fully recover from this. Amen? The America that we've always known may never come back. How does that make you feel? Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I want you to know as believers in Christ, our faith was never in the United States of America. Amen? Never was. Now, have we benefited greatly or we give thanks to the Lord for the prosperity that, that he's given to us, the lifestyle that we've been able to have? Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But that's not where I'm invested. That's not where my faith is. There is a security in the life of Christ that I don't care what goes on out here. <laughs> well, in some ways I do care, but you know what I mean. Let it come, let it go. My faith is attached to him. So come what may, I choose to stand with Jesus, amen? I choose to stand in Jesus because his life lives in me and it is stronger, it is more powerful, it is more aware than anything that's going on in this world. So do not fear. Let's pray. Father, I love you today. I love, I love your word. I love the stories of your word. I love the power of your word. I love how you speak through your word into my life. I pray, Father God, that as we take this journey at this season of our lives and the, the, what's going on in the culture right now and... Uh, I think for so many people, it's, it's just, we'll put up with this for a while, but it's all going to be back to normal in just a few more weeks, and we're all going to look back on this with such nostalgic looks someday, and uh, we don't know, Lord. And I pray that anyone who has put their faith in that will come to you and say, and say Lord, I will trust and walk in you, no matter what comes 
no matter what the future holds. My faith is not misplaced in my wealth. It's not misplaced in my lifestyle. It's not misplaced in anything that this world has afforded to me, Father. Oh, I pray for the strengthening of our trust and our faith in the midst of this season. I also pray, Father God, that uh, if there are those who have uh, heard this here in the building or across the internet today, that when I talk about this life in you and the security of this life and the, the difference that the resurrected Christ can make in a person's life, they, they know they're unfamiliar with that and that's not something that they've taken the step to believe yet. And I pray that this is their moment that as we close this service that they can just give you their fear and give you their sin and give you their life and give you their past and say, Lord, I believe in you. You are the Savior of the world. I believe. Oh, I pray, Father God, that you would block them from the misconceptions that they may have about, about you, about what you did when you came here, what your church is all about. And there's so much noise out there, Lord. May they know that there's a very real person named Jesus Christ who was fully God, was fully man, that lived on this earth. He died a cruel death, suffering the shame and the punishment for our sin, rose again that we may come to him in simple childlike faith and believe in him for our salvation and he will fill us with himself. And he will walk with us every moment of every day. I pray as we sing this song that people will make that decision today to follow you. May you be praised in Christ's name. Let's stand together and sing.